Thanks for joining us for this episode of Journey Now, produced by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, please visit us at journeytn.com. Everybody, welcome to the Journey Now podcast. Mike Erie here. Every Monday we drop an episode. Mike Mondays, we're calling it because we are very non-creative people. And here on Mondays, we explore some doubts, some questions, some controversy, um, things that that typically aren't spoken about in a church setting. Um, I, I've compiled a list of toxic beliefs that uh, people outside of the church think that Jesus people believe. And, and, and I've met loads of Jesus people who believe some of these things too, but we've We've taken to uh, wrestling with some of these together with people from our community. And today, um, I get to wrestle with a very interesting subject, but Lucius Padnot, which is the coolest name I've ever freaking heard of anybody ever. Um, Lucius, hello. Greetings. How's it going, Mike? Uh, today, we're going to explore one of, the, my, one of my, um, on my list one of the toxic beliefs that people uh, assume that Christians hold uh, is that those who are outside a heteronormative framework are destined for hell. Okay. And I've heard this, I've heard Christians say things like this, unfortunately, but regardless of whether or not you hold this view, there are loads of other people who think we as Jesus people hold this view. So we want to explore it a bit together and Lucius uh, is willing to come on and tell us just a bit about his story. Let's start. Let's start, my friend, with kind of what was your what was your upbringing like? Were you raised in a church family? What was your faith sort of tradition? So I, I, I'm a missionary kid. So I grew up Ooh. overseas my entire life um, in Thailand, and uh, my parents were with the International Mission Board, um, mm. which is funded by the Southern Baptist Convention. So yeah. to be uh, a missionary with them, you had to be a part of the Southern Baptist denomination. Um, but my parents really emphasized, like, you know, our main uh, guide is scripture. You know, we're, we're going to default to scripture before we default to dogma. So I, I kind of appreciated that uh, growing up. Like, it's like, you know, read with your eyes. Don't, you know. Mm. you hear someone say like the discernment came up a little bit. If you hear someone say something, you know, check with scripture, pray about it and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so looking at a good experience being a missionary, being a missionary kid. Oh, I I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like I missed out Mm. on some things for sure. Like people look at the nineties with nostalgia. And most of the time, I don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) um but uh no like i I grew up out in the middle of rice paddies uh Mm -hmm. running around with the village kids you know living life with them and uh yeah and like you know our family got along really well we were very close i was homeschooled Mm -hmm. and yeah no i i love my childhood Uh, as for my as for my spiritual walk um You know, my upbringing was very traditional, like I said, but, uh, you know, growing up, looking back, my parents were pretty 
open-minded compared to other missionaries and I guess evangelicalism at the time. Like we read all the Harry Potter books out loud together. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My goodness. Like, you know, on top of, you know, like the, like my parents, you know, are both very smart and they emphasize, you know, using your brain. So like, right, you know, right. they're like, you, we can watch these movies and read these books, you know, I mean, we co-sign on what is depicted here, you know, constructively analyze, enjoy it. Like, so yeah. I really yeah. treasure that. So I really feel like the legalism that I struggled with when I was younger was stuff that I built myself in my li- limited understanding. Mm. Um, so I did get very legalistic. I'm like, you know, you have to do a devotional every day. And I got a little bit into apologetics, uh, which I'm not a real big fan of, uh, anymore. (laughs) Um, but like there was a point in high school, um, when I, you know, preparing to move on to college where I realized I was doing all these things, but like, I was really dead inside. Like I would try to muster up this energy to be good. And, you know, that well would just dry up within the first hour of the day, you know? And my goodness uh, goodness is done by 8am. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So like I got to a point where I'm like, God, I don't even love you. But Mm. for some reason I could not give up the concept that there was a God. So like my prayer for a few years was like, God, just get me to a point where I just want to love you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I prayed that for years. And then in college, like uh, I, when I was given opportunities to be involved in spiritual community, I just said yes, even though, even if I didn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of those four years, I look back, I'm like, a lot has changed in me and I didn't even realize it. And it really wasn't anything I did. Mm-hmm. And so through that process, Because, you know, again, you know, growing up, I thought everything was so concrete. Yeah. Every, you know, God's in the Bible, that type of thing. Uh, I had some experiences through my college ministry where I got to meet the spirit of God. And it Mm. really kind of shattered the very Mm. dry faith that I had. Yeah. And, And that really started opening up for me to start, you know, trimming away all just the dogmatic things. Mm. And I really just kind of settled on three tenets that I couldn't like you could that I had to have, but I didn't need anything else. And one there's, there is a creator. Mm. There was a person named Christ who was the son of God and God's word is in scripture. Mm. And that's it. Mm. So, and so this topic that we're talking on right now, uh, came up just because my emotional impression of God didn't seem to square like with Christ, you know, love everybody, welcome everybody. And didn't seem to square with this message that I was hearing from the Christian church and what people were saying of the Christian church, that homosexuality is incompatible with a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that didn't, seem that didn't seem to make any sense Mm. and like you know i'm well read with the i would not say i didn't go to seminary or anything i can't quote scripture to you with the verse but like if you ask me something about the bible 
I know where it is and I know what it says. <laughs> so I'm kind of a bad Christian because I, I, I know John three sixteen, right? But I know in general where everything else is in the Bible. So I know the Bible, like in pretty much three instances, condemns homosexuality outright. And but like again, that didn't feel right because I was seeing examples of loving homosexual relationships mm. and those same people like claiming like, I know God, I love God. Right. And it didn't seem to fit to say, well, just because you're homosexual, you can't have a relationship with God or you're right. slash you're going to hell. Right. Um, and I didn't really have an answer for that because I'm not a Bible scholar. Right. Uh, and so finally I just got on Google and was like, what are the words being used here? Like, you yeah. know, why are we saying it, it yeah. homosexual in this area? Mm -hmm. And uh, I have links somewhere, but like there, and so I, some sources that I read, like the words being used there in the Old Testament, the word being used there is referring to pagan prostitutes. Mm -hmm. um, and in the New Testament is referring to pederasty or, or child rape or pagan prostitutes again. Um, again, but those terms and that understanding of homosexual activity is not the same as the loving homosexual relationships I'm seeing today. And I don't know if that structure was even present in right. those past cultures. Right. So yeah. I'm still not 100% yet. But like I'm erring on the side of love and welcoming welcoming them in and affirming yeah. them as people and saying mm -hmm. god loves them mm -hmm. because i don't know the my understanding of those scriptures right now are referring to things that do not apply to them mm -hmm. and that's where i'm at right now yeah no thank you man i i'm so appreciative when people talk honestly about where they're at uh, particularly on topics like this right there's so much strong opinion and emotion involved. And I think there are lots of people who um, have had a hard time reconciling what they see in the, their friends and family and what they're reading in their Bibles. And you've got several options, <laughs> right? You've got several yeah. options. You know, you put your friends aside or your family aside you put the Bible aside, um, and I think those are very honest options. Uh, 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 one of my favorite New Testament scholars, um, he just said, he just said, you know, I just think the Bible's wrong on this, and I thought that was so intellectually <laughs> honest. He just said, I, I think Paul's <laughs> wrong. I just think he's wrong. Um, and so, so there's loads. I, I think there has to be. Have, there have to be loads of room for people to be in process on this. Not mm -hmm. only as somebody who may be wrestling or not wrestling with, with their sexual orientation, but as people who are friends with people and, and family with people who are wrestling mm -hmm. for all of these things. And so many of the messages given from the church have been universally condemning and negative, mm -hmm. which is fascinating to me when you look at 
uh, the condemnation of divorce mm-hmm. and how easily tolerable uh, divorce is in our church mm-hmm. um, or, or extramarital sex or lust mm-hmm. or pornography, mm-hmm. things that are really like super clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, but then we've set this issue over here as, well, that's, that's the really big one. That's the really big sexual sin. Mm-hmm. So I've I've been troubled by some of those things, some of those things as well. What do you think a healthy church community looks like as they process some of these issues? What have you found helpful? Well, first, well, the first step step of this, like I'm a huge fan of C.S. Lewis. One, mm. like I, I don't read theology books. Anything that's Dude, in the nonfiction. C.S. Lewis. <laughs> Read theology, no matter what he's writing. Exactly, exactly. Like I, I, I learn through fiction. So, like, (laughs) you, you will hear me if you talk to me long enough. You know, I believe this about God because this happened in Chronicles of Narnia or the Space Trilogy, (laughs) which is like (laughs) makes you know sets people. You know, you go, you know, yeah, the the apologetics people they go like. You can't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But like, I I learn best through fiction, through mm-hmm. and like, you you see it in my writing. Like a lot of my writing is me processing, mm-hmm. you know what what I understand, mm-hmm. and everything in nonfiction I just call self help, and I don't bother with it. I'm trying to be better. Like <laughs> that, there's definitely beneficial nonfiction books out there, but they have very low interest on my point. But so with C.S. Lewis, and uh, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis. And he said, I've never struggled with homosexuality, so I'll, I'll refrain comment on it. Mm. I've never struggled with that sin. Mm. And so for me, since like I'm straight, like I am reticent to play a slave judgment because I've never experienced that. And like mm. I feel like we can confidently say now in our society that homosexuality is something that's people are born with. It's not just this, you know, choice of rebellion or anything like that. Like all we can go off is anecdotal evidence. The vast majority of the community is like, no, I was never attracted to women. It was boys I was falling in love with or, and vice versa. So like my first blush, like the first blush response is to believe what people are saying, because I would be furious if people was, were, was telling me like, no, the, the experience you're describing with Christ is incorrect mm. because this, 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 you know, logical mm. reason, like, no, you can't tell that to me. Like the experience that I had was personal to me. It may not make sense to you, but like, you can't tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, I'd be furious about that. So one, I feel like we need to have some humility and say, okay, I'm listening rather than mm-hmm. telling you you're wrong. And then again, reminding ourselves, like, explicitly in the Bible, God says, judgment is for me alone, not you. Mm-hmm. So follow the tenets, love God and love others. I think that's just the first step, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, would, I would definitely uh, agree with that. I think when it comes to sexuality, um, the, the biggest struggle that I've that I have with what I've received from church is that it's almost universally negative. There's no positive vision 
for mm-hmm. sexual flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, even as single people, as uh, I mean, just you know, name it any category. There just isn't. It's just get married, have kids. Uh, God will reward you if you're a virgin. And the Bible's messages on sex are far more nuanced um, than that. And so, you know, we we want to be a place where people who are in process on this can be around people who are not in process on this. I'm sure some in our church are settled on this either mm-hmm. direction. And I think mm-hmm. others are really still working this out. And I think it's so mm-hmm. important um, because it's true in all the other major issues, right? God never just takes my worst moment and defines me by it. Mm-hmm. And a healthy church will never do that either, right? If I'm if I'm not towing the line on specific uh, beliefs, healthy churches allow um, questioning, growing, wrestling within the faith community. And I think that's so important on an issue like this, where the pressure really is to just come out and define it for everybody. Right. And, um, and so the questions you're asking are super important. Um, I think the doubts you have a lot of us, I'm sure. I mean, I've just, I've met some of the most loving people. (laughs) There was a, there was a lesbian couple in a church I served in, in California who were two of the most generous, kind, helpful, Jesus-y people I've ever met. And I'm sitting there like, I'm not sure I have a verse for this. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so where do you go? For me, that just means we sit, we sit in the text, we sit in the reality of the community and mm-hmm. we try to be faithful to what Jesus would have us do. And yeah, so and that situation, what snarls it is like, you look at the fruit and the fruit's good. Right. So like, then you, you're new, but you're going like, what? but I've been told that the source of this fruit should be bad. So like, that's, that's the issue right here. Like you see good spiritual fruit coming out of these relationships and you're like, yeah, how can I condemn that? You know? And what's fascinating because we don't play this game anywhere else. So, Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, you, you meet divorced people who are much happier than their second, their second go around and Mm -hmm. the fruit seems to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so it is, it's such a, an sticky, um, uh, controversial issue. Um, you know, part of what we want to create space for are conversations like these, where they don't always resolve in the right answer. We're just sort of walking together going, well, here's what we know. We know that every single human person has made in the image of God. We know that no one is destined to hell because of um, because of things, whether chosen or not chosen, um, that uh, no one, I mean, no one is destined to hell automatically because of something in their character, right? And I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to encompass both the people that think it's a choice and those who say it's not a choice by just saying it that way. You know what I mean? That that God doesn't destine people to hell on, mm-hmm. on that kind of basis. If he was in the in the in the uh, if he wanted to destine people to hell on sexual on the basis of sexual sin, well then why just stop at that one? Yeah. Right. I mean, we're all guilty in yeah. in that regard. Yeah. You know, and I'm just convinced we have to create a, a space for people 
to be in process on this thing. And so mm-hmm. I think it's super helpful that you're willing to kind of share where you're at on this. What, um, as, as you go forward, um, you know, we'll kind of wrap up, wrap up our time with this. What, what are the, the most helpful things a church can do as a church um, to, to help create permission for people to wrestle with these big issues? Well, to talk about it plainly, like we're trying to do right now. Um, and like, I would say give, because my questions my questions were led, you know, this doesn't square, but like, you know, I trust the, the scriptures and that's what we've been going off of. So create a, a, a way to investigate and provide mm-hmm. resources for a personal investigation. Like how am I supposed to read these passages yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, investigate the translation and stuff like that. Uh, so I would say provide resources for further study. And then, and then open conversation, because I think more open, honest conversation will give people permission to also voice their own uh, journeys and where they're at. And, and I feel like if we're more open and loving than that, then uh, people who are, are homosexual feel safe enough to actually join in on the dialogue, because those are the people we need to be discussing with most. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, kind of going back to C.S. Lewis, what's the point of not discussing something if you don't have that lived experience? You need to talk to the people who are experiencing it in their daily lives. And that's not me. You know, right. I need to talk to my homosexual brothers and sisters about that. Right. Lucius, that's really good stuff, man. I appreciate you. What a fun, what a fun way to meet you. Talking about <laughs> talking about deep stuff. Holy cow! <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm, I, I mean, seriously, I'm so so glad you're willing to have these conversations. I think loads of us are having these conversations. We just don't often think of the church as a place to have them. Mm-hmm. And um, and boy, is that a mistake! That really is a mistake. So thank you, dude. I really really appreciate your time today. And, Thanks for having um, me on. Oh, dude, this is great. And journey now, folks like us rate us review us whatever you do with podcasts but listen tune in every monday for more of this stuff and uh, until next time friends we'll see you if you've enjoyed this episode of the journey now podcast please consider rating and reviewing us and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts thank you for joining us today